All right. Because I watched this video and I thought, look, this would be a great way for me to start, I thought, the, uh, the message today. And when you think about bringing the reality of the cross, the power of the cross into today's world, think about if uh, the Resurrection Sunday event, Jesus actually uh, beating death and, and rising from the grave today, imagine how it would have, uh, the news would have spread, the good news would have spread. It would have spread like that, right? And so it's a reminder that we should be excited and uh, usually we don't get excited about these types of things because maybe we've forgotten what it, what, what it really means to look at the reality of Jesus uh, rising from the dead and, and him being uh, someone who's had victory over death and sin. And so we want to look at this today. And my message here is called Divine Intervention. So, a Amy, I'm going to ask you to put those slides on for me and I'll get you to, uh, to work with me quite quickly as we, we go through that. I can't see you. I'm blind up here. We've got someone to give me a thumbs up. We're putting those up. Cool. Awesome. Can I ask the team just to close those doors too? That'd be great. If we could have those back doors closed, that'd be fantastic. Just to keep the air conditioning in. Who likes air con? <laughs> All right. So this is a message here where I want to encourage you as we, uh, we focus on um, this Easter message. And I've called it divine intervention. I'm going to get you to move to the next slide for me, Amy. I think there's actually a couple of scriptures before these slides or maybe after because this was the first one. But there's a scripture there. Um, cool. No, there's actually a, a scripture... Maybe we've got it in the wrong order there, have we? We've got scripture right at the beginning. Um, 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 um. Let me have a look here. We might have to skip that. All right, so that's all right. We're looking for the scripture where it talks about him coming out of the grave and the witnesses are looking for the grave. Where's the very first slide? We got that there? Because this one is talking about the woman. Okay, all right. Here we go. Everyone give Amy a round of applause. <laughs> cool. All right, I want to start with this because when you look at the text messages you know, in the video, getting the messages about, hey, he's risen, he's alive, or he's, he's out of the grave, the level of excitement but mystery that happened on that Resurrection Sunday, uh, it would have been like you know, a rumor mill running through uh, the, the people who were wondering what was going on. Let's see Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen! Exclamation mark. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. Then they remembered his words. And so the next part says, When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the woman. Everyone say, did not believe. But they did not believe the woman because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering himself what had happened. What I think is, is important here is when we look at the power of the cross, 
it's, it's not just an event for millions, but it's an event for you. The power of the cross is personal. The power of the cross is for millions. It's for everyone that wants to receive the reality that Jesus is God, that he has actually defeated death. But I think this morning, what I really feel on my heart to encourage you to do today is to make sure that you make the power of the cross personal. Everyone say personal. Awesome. Let's move to the next slide. Thank you, Amy. I'm going to move quite quickly. And I want to look at this particular quote here because, again, when we talk about a divine intervention, when we talk about that the power of the cross is personal, that what's happened on the cross with Jesus rising from the dead, defeating death, defeating sin, is how personal are you making that for your life at the moment? How much are you allowing the victory of God to impact your world? And uh, how do you think about Jesus? Do you see him as just as a story, just as an idea, just as a religious icon? Or have you actually wondered that Jesus, the Bible says, is alive today? And so if he's alive today, then his presence and his power are actually evident. And they can be evident in your life. You can actually have the presence of God and the power of God become evident, become a reality in your life. And this is why I think it's important to make sure that we make it personal. We're going to look at this today. But when life's at its worst... God's at his best. Who believes that? You know, you can be in the darkest situation, but when you know God personally, you can invite him in and he can intervene. We know that God is a God who loves to create divine intervention because even what he did on the cross was a sign of intervention. What does the word intervention mean? It means he wants to get involved. He wants to step into a situation. He is a problem solver. God is a God who likes to fix things. He likes to heal things. He likes to take things that are broken and make them whole. He likes to take unforgiveness and bring forgiveness. He wants to take certain situations of misery and bring joy. He wants to take you from a place of weakness to a place of strength. Who knows that God is a God who's personal? And uh, this morning, as we look at this, Uh, I want you to remember that when life is at its worst, God's at his best. When you think about the cross, when we think about even that video, the text messages, why were they so happy? They weren't just happy because he was alive again, but they were happy that he he had beaten death because it meant everything that he, he said he was, he was. That he was God, that he was the Savior, that he was the Messiah. And the promises that he had that were going to come, they were so excited about it. It was such a resounding kind of a sound in their heart about, oh my goodness, this means that everything that he said about himself is true. Because there's been no other person to claim that they are the one true God by beating death. There's lots of other religions and that type of thing. But the reality is, is the one thing that sets Jesus Christ apart is that he beat death, that he rose again from the grave. And so the people were so excited. And I'm wondering, how excited are you today, whether you know Jesus or not? How excited does this story seem to you? Has anyone wondered, with all the special effects these days, we know they have, we have the Passion of the Christ a, a good, I think, a decade ago, but has anyone wondered, with all the special effects with Hollywood, ever wanted to actually see some stories about Jesus really come to life on the cinema? Who here is with me, right? Uh, does anyone know that the sequel to the Passion of the Christ is coming out? Did you know that? Yeah, the Passion of the Christ is doing a sequel, and it's going to be about the resurrection, right? And so why, why, why am I mentioning that? Well, would you be excited to see that movie? 
You would be excited to see the movie. Why? Because you want to see something supernatural take place. To actually see a man who has walked this earth, but then to actually beat death, to actually come back from the grave. And you want to see the story of that and how that impacts lives. Of course you'd want to see that because it's interesting. Everyone say interesting. And my question to you is this, is you can make the story of Jesus more interesting by actually inviting him into your life. You know, about 20 years ago, pretty much around... This month, 20 years ago, I invited Jesus into my world for the first time, the very first time. I was someone who wasn't into religion, I wasn't into church, I wasn't into God, I wasn't even into the idea of God because to me, it was all about religious people and I just wasn't into that. But I got in a situation where I needed something bigger than myself to intervene. And I said, God, if you're real, I need to know about it because I'm in a situation I can't get myself out of. I've made so many mistakes and there's just so many setbacks. I need a miracle. I need something supernatural to take over, to intervene. And can I tell you, when I just simply asked that question of God, I said, God, if you're real, I want to know about it. Jesus, if you're really God, I want you to come and impact my life. I want to know you personally because I need your help. Can I tell you that when I did that, my life completely changed. And so today we want to talk about how the power of the cross is in fact personal. Everyone say, it's personal. It's personal. Awesome, Amy, we might get you to put up the next slide for me. So we're going to look at this particular part of Scripture here. Um, I want to transition from obviously that, that story of him coming out of the grave and then being astounded. And uh, obviously the news of that would have been widespread and it would have already had an impact. But I want to talk about this, that, that Jesus didn't just have an impact on that Sunday, but he was always having an impact even before he went to the cross, and he's continuing to have an impact on lives all throughout the earth today. So I want to highlight that the cross, the power of the cross, this Resurrection Sunday, you can make it personal. I want to give you an insight today into a story that shows how Jesus really cared about individuals, that he cares about people and he wanted to intervene into someone's world. And so uh, I want to he- have a look here in John chapter 4, verses 5 to 30. So we're going to read through this. This is this key story I want to anchor on today. So he, Jesus, came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Everyone say well. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? What's interesting is that in those days... The idea of Jesus even talking to this woman, he was breaking religious routine. He wasn't just breaking religious routine, he was absolutely shattering religious traditions. Can I say this to you? That Jesus doesn't care about religion. In fact, if religion is the reason that's preventing you from reaching out to Jesus, he will want to break through that wall because he wants to reach you personally. If you've had a religious experience, if you've had someone who said that they were a follower of Jesus, didn't represent him well, can I tell you, uh, don't blame that on God, right? So that, that's, that's their problem. But can I say this to you, that whatever religious experience you've had, don't let religion stop you from allowing Jesus to reach out to you because Jesus is not religious. Jesus is kind, he is real, and he wants to make a personal impact in your life. Very much like he did on this day. 
He wants to make it personal. And so he was intentional and he was deliberate about shattering religious routine. He didn't care about the status. He didn't care if people would look at him going, my goodness, what is this Jew man talking to this Samaritan woman? How dare he? That's wrong. That's not cool. That's not, that's not the way we do things. That's just not protocol. And so he was shattering a lot of tradition just to personally reach this woman where she was at. I love that. Verse 10, it says, so before verse 10, she said, how, how, she's like probably stuttering. How can you ask me for a drink? What's going on here? Because the Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And so basically what he's saying is this, is that if you knew who I really was, uh, you probably wouldn't be worrying about religion. Come on now. If you knew who I really was, you wouldn't be worrying about religion. You would just want to connect with me. You'd want to say, my goodness, you're, you're, you're Jesus. You're the Messiah. I touched my life. I want, to, I want you to invite you into my life. And so he, he was kind of uh, trying to unravel the mystery because she obviously didn't know who he was at this particular time. And so <clears throat> she then responded, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? She was interested in this thing called living water. She had a need, and Jesus was starting to talk to her need. He was starting to talk to what she was desperately looking for. Verse 15, sorry, verse 13 says, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. And we'll stop there for a second. So this lady is sitting there. Jesus reaches out to her, starts talking to her. And she's confused because he's breaking religious tradition right there and then. And, and then um, she's kind of also saying, well, you, you're wanting water, but you have nothing to draw the, the water. And then he's saying, well, I don't, uh, I don't really think you should be asking me that question. The question and the water that I would, would want to give you is, is water that's uh, you know, living water. And then she's like, well, this sounds really interesting. And, and what's this sort of all about? And he's starting to get her interest. But then when she starts to open up, he actually says something very interesting to her. He actually speaks to where she's at at that particular present point in time. And he says, go, call your husband and come back. Verse 17, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. So in that moment... When Jesus is talking to her, not only is he reaching out to her and trying to make a personal impact, but he's reading her life. He can look into her life. He has such wisdom, and he can see what's going on, and she's obviously shocked. Have you ever had anyone walk up to you and they've absolutely read the chapters in your life? Has anyone experienced that before? This would be shocking. And so she responded saying, wow, you're a prophet. And so she, she knew this must be someone who, who's a special person. So now the mystery is starting to unfold. And then it goes on, and it says here, uh, So go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. 
In, the fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said uh, is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah. I know that the Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. And then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. And so the mystery became Unraveled because he said, I am the person that you speak of. And he declared that he was uh, the true God. Can we have a look at the next slide, please, Amy? And so there's a couple of points here that I want to talk about today. And the first thing here is it is our destiny to meet Jesus. Whether you know God here or not, can I tell you, I believe it's everyone's destiny to meet Jesus. And what do I mean by meeting Jesus? I believe that Jesus wants to personally impact your life. I believe that getting the revelation that Jesus is God, that Jesus is, in fact, who he says he is, I believe that every person is destined to meet Jesus. Now, when I say meet Jesus, what I mean by this is to be impacted by the truth. There are some people who will respond to the truth and they won't agree with it. They won't say yes necessarily to God. But I'll, I believe that every single person is destined to get a realization or to hear the truth that Jesus is, in fact, God. That he's not just a religious icon, but he's alive today and that you can personally invite him into your life. But it's how you respond. In John 4, 9, it says, The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink for Jews do not associate with Samaritans? And what I love about this is... Again, it's the point of it doesn't matter who you are or where you've been. It doesn't matter how imperfect you are. It doesn't matter from what social status you are. It doesn't matter from what culture you're from. It doesn't matter how, uh, what age group you're from. It doesn't matter uh, who brought you up. It doesn't matter how many uh, mistakes you've made. It doesn't matter uh, what kind of religion you've been involved in before. I believe that everyone is destined to be impacted by Jesus, but it depends on how we respond. Who believes that? I want to share this with you. This is why I, uh, I find some articles online so fascinating. And uh, We were driving this morning, and my wife Sarah shared this with me. And uh, this is actually this is a, a really interesting uh, kind of a, a thought or opinion on the reality of Jesus. And uh, it's a quote here by a a person who's very intelligent, very switched on, and his name is Charles Colson. I don't know who Charles is personally, but uh, this quote I thought was interesting, and it kind of helped with this particular point here. And he says this. This is what he says. He says, I know the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a fact. That's a pretty strong statement, isn't it? So he starts with a strong statement. Everyone say strong statement. <laughs> he says, I know the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a fact. And... He said, Watergate proved it to me. Now, you, be, you may be sitting here like I was in the car this morning, and I said to Sarah, what's Watergate? What's that all about? Quickly, Watergate is the scandal that happened in the U.S. with Richard Nixon, right? And so President Nixon at the time was involved in this Watergate scandal where uh, his associates 
were actually guilty in covering up uh, things so that people, so people and, and uh, protocols that were broken and rules that were broken was not to be exposed. And uh, so basically, not only Nixon, but also his henchmen, uh, they, they, they lied about certain events. They made up stories to fool the public and to fool the media to try to cover up the, the illegal uh, activities that they had allowed the government to be involved in. So that's what Watergate is. So going back to the first statement, I know the resurrection is a fact and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men... So now he's talking about the 12 men who testified. So the apostles of the Bible. Because 12 men testified, they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. And then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. And they would not have endured that if it wasn't true. Watergate, however, embroiled 12. So 12 people were involved in the Watergate thing. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world and they couldn't keep a lie for three weeks. Because what happened was, they were making massive lies to cover up the scandal. And so they started to, to uh, have lots of questioning. The media threw curveballs at them. There were interviews, single interviews, dual interviews. And it only took three weeks for them to unravel under the pressure because they couldn't hold on to the lie anymore. It took three weeks. Everyone say three weeks. But yet after 40 years... The 12 apostles never, ever, ever, ever buckled with their conviction that they saw Jesus Christ rise from the dead. After torture, after imprisonment, for 40 years, not one of them said, oh, no, no, this, this, we've, we've exaggerated this, or this wasn't really true. Not one of them. And so he goes on and he says this. He says, you're telling me the 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible, he says. And so I want to encourage you, wherever you are, that it is, it's our destiny, it's part of the plan that you will be revealed that something about the truth of Jesus Christ's story, not just his story, but the fact that he's real, that there'll be elements of the Bible that should come alive to you. However, it's up to us to make a choice in how we respond. Can I tell you, you're looking at someone that for uh, the first 20 years of my life, I mainly mocked and scoffed religion, particularly the Bible. I looked at the idea of Jesus and spoke about Jesus like, whatever, it's just a fairy tale. Nice story, but as if. And yet when it came to a personal need and I, in my humility, I had to ask God into my life. And can I tell you, I'm standing before you today telling you that Jesus Christ is alive and has completely changed my life and so many thousands of people that I know personally in terms of changing their life for good. And so I believe that Jesus and the reality of Jesus this morning, that everyone here should be encouraged. It doesn't matter who you are. God wants to meet you where you're at, and he wants to impact your life. We just have to invite him in. Who believes that? So it is our destiny to meet Jesus. Point number two, if we can move to that one, is Jesus radically changes us all. You know, it's not just where we invite God into our life, but the power of the cross personally. God wants to make it personal. God wants to change and help you to break through in areas of your life personally. Can I tell you that my mind has been radically changed? If, if you could have looked into the things that I used to think about myself before I knew God, you, you, you'd be like, 
my goodness, did you think that really about yourself? The things that I used to think about other people, just the stuff that would go on in my mind, the confusion, the depression, the, the sense of despair, the sense of hopelessness. And there were lots of reasons for that we don't have time to go into. But I was broken, not just uh, kind of in my spirit, but also in my mind. And Jesus radically changed my life. But Jesus radically changes us all in different ways because we all, uh, I think, need help at times. But what's interesting here, if we look at this part of the story, is John 4, 16, 18. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are the right. You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. Everyone say, ouch. <laughs> I mean, that would have been pretty challenging, don't you think? But what's interesting is, what, what is this woman doing, this Samaritan woman, when she first meets Jesus? I think she makes a choice that most of us, when we try to maybe first open our eyes to the rally of Jesus, is we play this game called, I'm okay, you're okay. Has anyone played that game before? I'm okay and you're okay. We're all okay, right? We're all peachy keen. Cha-ching. And we wear masks. And... Uh, she also was saying, you know, this well, this is the place I've always come to. It's always worked for me. It's not perfect. It's only a temporary fix, but it's okay for me. But Jesus doesn't want you just to be okay. And besides that, he realizes that sometimes we look okay, we act okay, we talk okay, but on the inside, we're actually not okay. This woman was putting on a brave face, but her private world was in disarray. She was collapsing on the inside. She was full of shame. She was full of uh, probably anger. She was full of uh, uh, probably pity. She was full of blame. She was full of sorrow. She was full of despair. But yet she was going about her day-to-day duties just to kind of you know, grab a hold of the routine, just to kind of keep it together. And Jesus wanted to intercede. He wanted to intervene into that place, personally sit down in the well. And he wanted to in a challenging way, say, you know what? I actually know that it's not all okay because I actually know this is what's going on. And this is what I love about God. What I love about God is that He radically changes us because when we invite Him into our life, He actually, via love, talks to us about where we're really at. And then He helps us to move on from where we're really at. He helps to bring healing and He helps to bring transformation. And so if you're here today and maybe you're not okay, Maybe the person sitting next to you hasn't noticed. Maybe I don't have the perception to tell that you're not okay because you're wearing a brave face. But I would encourage you, Jesus knows. Jesus knows where you're at and he wants to help you. He wants to help people. He wants to go to where, uh, he wants to say, hey, let, let's stop playing games. Invite me into your life because I can turn things around. And, you know, I've been doing some research on uh, kind of health recently and um, there's actually this disease, did you know, uh, that's called, uh, it's nicknamed SEDS, not um, like S-E-D-S. And it stands for Sedentary Death Syndrome. Has anyone heard of that before? Now, what this is, is this is an actual thing um, that uh, American health specialists are talking about at the moment. And they say it's, it's uh, the third leading cause of death in the United States right now. Okay, and it's uh, that's after heart disease and cancer. And you're probably thinking, what, what, is, what you know, 
what, what is he talking about? So these are the facts, and then let me share what this is. It kills over 300,000 Americans annually. It contributes to debilitating elements like diabetes, depression, uh, osteoporosis, that type of thing. It affects three out of four adults in the US, uh, and it's projected to cost $1.5 trillion over the next 10 years. Is anyone interested in this? And what is it? What actually is it? Because uh, the World Health Organization announced that about 2 million deaths annually worldwide are attributed to this particular disease. What is it? Uh, they nickname it sitting around doing nothing. Where am I going with this? You're like, this is a curveball, Pastor Brad. Where is this message going? Uh, what I want to encourage you today is to say this. I think sometimes spiritually we're like that. We're just sitting around doing nothing. We don't ask the key questions. How is my spiritual life actually going? What's going on the inside? Where am I really at? What am I struggling with? And what I love about Jesus is he meets you where you're at, but he's interested to help you to get out of where you are and to go into a place where you're supposed to end up. He is a great problem solver. He is the miracle working God. And in this story with this Samaritan woman, he, he made it his mission that day. That was his key assignment to go and speak to one woman. If this was Jesus' key assignment to go and speak to one woman, why is it not also his key assignment to speak specifically to you today? Well, let me tell you, it is. Because God cares about where you're at. And I'm telling you, you were never designed to walk this life by yourself. You were never designed to lean on your own strength. You were never designed to just be isolated. But you were designed to be in community and to be in communion with God himself. You were created to walk with God. Who believes that? Awesome. Next, next slide. Last point here, we must abandon our own solution for his. I love this. This is my favorite of the three. We must abandon our own solution for his. John 4, 13, 14. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What is what is Jesus talking about here? That he actually, how he helps, not only does he sit next to you and he doesn't care where you're at, doesn't care about religion, doesn't care about how imperfect your life is, but he'll want to sit right next to you and get your attention. And not only that, but he will want to talk with you personally about where you're really at. He'll want to talk about not just the good stuff, but he'll want to talk about the ugly stuff. But also, he positions himself to be so personal and he positions himself to talk honestly with you because he has a solution that no one else has. That's called living water. And so Jesus actually is able to give us life where we are dying on the inside, where we're feeling lonely. He's able to change that and to transact that with giving us life. Can I tell you that I'm standing here before you and I'm telling you I've tasted this living water. I've been someone who's been so broken and I've tried to do things on my own strength that I've asked God to come into my life and he's poured in this living water, the power of God, the word of God, and it has literally changed my identity. It's filled me with this transformation on the inside. 
inside, and it's called the Spirit of God. The Bible says that the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, that helped Him to conquer sin and death, is the very Spirit that He promises He will release into your life to give you the living waters, to give you the power to go from a place of despair into a place of victory, to go from hopelessness to hope, to go from fear to faith, to go from brokenness to wholeness. Come on now, to go from rejection to love. Jesus is the solution giver. He is the one that gives living water. I want to share this story with you. This fascinating story where uh, this, this group of people wanted to capture um, monkeys on an island. And uh, what they did was they made the monkeys who were hiding behind the bushes. The monkeys were watching them and they wanted the monkeys to watch them. And they took this particular a kind of like a, a nut and they made sure the monkeys could see the hole in the nut. And they went to this particular place in the sand and they dug this hole in the sand. They made sure the monkeys were watching and they were kind of putting the nut into the sand and buried it like that. And then they ran away and they waited and they waited and they waited. And the king monkey from the tribe comes out the bushes. Hey, go on, Josh. Good. He's like, oh, I wonder what that is. It must be something special and tasty. So out goes the king monkey. Oh, I wonder what it is. And he starts to dig and then he sees the nut, right? And then he puts his hand and he holds onto the nut with a clenched fist. And then the men start coming out to capture him. They've got like a big net. They're about to throw the net out. Now, what's funny is that monkey could have escaped. He could have escaped if he just let go of the peanut. Because his fist would have been a certain shape where he could have just released. But because he grabbed a hold of that peanut, his clenched fist was a certain size that he couldn't lift his arm out of the hole in the, in the sand. And what happened is, is that the men were able to capture that monkey, put the net over that monkey, because the monkey was stubborn and refused to let go of the thing that it wanted to hold on to so tightly. Can I tell you, and that's the thing that, that, that actually trapped that monkey. That's the thing that stopped that monkey from being set free and from escaping from being trapped in. And can I tell you, I think spiritually sometimes we can be like that. We can be so stubborn and try to hold on to our perception, hold on to our opinion, how old, hold on to how we see it, how we see God, how we see the Bible, how we see Jesus. Maybe because it's our political party that we're into, or maybe it's because of our upbringing, or maybe it's because the people that we hanged out at university who were really persuasive when we had dinner and talked about how many assignments we had, or maybe it was the type of music we've been listening to, or maybe it's because the, our, our biggest celebrity that we love just isn't into Jesus, and so they must have it right. But we hold on to, don't we, that perception, that opinion so tightly. And that actually is the one reason well, we can't actually receive the freedom of Jesus Christ because we're just not willing to open our mind and invite God and say, God, if you are real, then just show me. God, if you are real, I want to invite you to my life. And if you are real, Jesus, open my mind, open my ears, open my heart to your reality because he has and he promises a mighty solution. I'm just going to ask Jason just to come. Pastor Jason, if you could just come. I'm going to ask everyone, we're just going to have an opportunity just to pray right now. 
and then the Amarna Republic, you guys are going to come up straight afterwards. But I'm going to ask everyone to close your eyes, bow your heads as we pray. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here today. I thank you, Lord, this is an amazing day where we're, Lord, acknowledging not just how beautiful you are, God, but you're a God of victory and you've beaten death and sin and you've beaten the grave. And Lord, I thank you for an opportunity in a moment, Lord, for people here today to respond to this good news, to respond to the gospel. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place. And as everyone's got their head bowed and their eyes closed, I've got a simple request. And that is today, wherever you are in your life, I believe that God, God wants to be invited in. But what I love about God is He'll never, ever just storm into your life without your permission. You must invite Him in. And so in the privacy of this moment, with every eye closed, every head bowed, I want to give an opportunity for people to invite Jesus into their life. He promises that He will forgive all of your sins. He will forgive all of your mistakes. He'll forgive everything that's ever gone wrong in your life. And He promises He'll take you into a great future where everything that's gone wrong in your life, He'll turn for good. Because today you want to declare, God, I love you. I want to know who you are. So if that's you, like I did 20 years ago, all I want you to do is just let me know that you want me to pray for you just by simply raising your hand while everyone's got their eyes closed. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anyone else? I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. Anyone else? Thank you. I see that hand. Is there anyone else here? Don't let this moment pass you by. I see that hand. Thank you. Is there anyone else? They would say, Jesus. On this Easter Sunday, I want to invite you into my heart. I want to give you permission to impact my life. As I look around, anyone else? Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you, Lord. All right, what we want to do is we want to do this. We're just going to take a moment to pray for these people. So if you raised your hand, please don't feel embarrassed because 20 years ago I did this. But what I want you to do is I just want you to come to the front. I want to pray for you. Is that okay? And then we get to have a time of singing and then we get to have lunch soon to celebrate but if that's you i want you to come to the front i want to pray for you let's let's encourage these people as they come don't hesitate if you raise your hand don't hesitate god will bless you it's wonderful we come just face me how you going is there anyone else that responded and you want to come i i promise i put my deodorant on this morning i don't smell it's okay you can come to the front let's again encourage these people as they come So I'm going to ask our host team just to be ready, um, just to, uh, to greet these. After we pray for you guys, our, uh, our host team are going to just take you in the cafe and just have a chat with you, just to talk to you about ways that you can strengthen your walk with Jesus after I pray for you. Is that okay? Awesome. All right. Well, I want you all just to put your hand on your heart and just repeat after me. 
Jesus, today I make a decision to follow you. I turn away from my old life and I say yes to my new life with you. I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose again on the third day. And because of that act of love, all my sin is forgiven. All of my shame is washed away. And today, I am a brand new creation in Jesus' name. Awesome. Awesome. All right.